Do you need a landscaping job tackled? Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree pruning or removal to landscape design, construction, and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E Landscaping.com. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keen, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keen. All right, so welcome to episode 59 of Parker's MMA Show. Um, we are interviewing UFC fighter Sasha Palatnikov. Uh, he is... Out of Hong Kong, fights in out of Las Vegas, uh, coming off his first ever UFC win over Luis Koske at UFC 255. It was one of the best fights of the night. He's 6-2 and two overall, uh, welterweight prospect. Uh, so very excited to talk to him, Parker. Let's see if we can get him on the line. All right, let's go. All right, so thanks for taking the time to do an interview with us this evening. Um, we're going to jump right into it and get the ball rolling. But, um, All right. hey, we wanted to jump kind of into your upbringing a little bit. Uh, that was something that caught my eye when we watched you a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago again in the Lewis Kosi fight. Um, so tell us a little bit about your upbringing and growing up in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, born and raised uh, in Hong Kong. I know it's not the most common uh, I guess to, to see someone of my nationality being born and brought up in Hong Kong, but uh, that was the case. Uh, my father was a, was a world champion high diver, uh, so he was traveling around the world and was offered uh, a contract to uh, perform uh, at, a, at, a, at a park, at a, at a show, and uh, that's what ended getting him to, into Hong Kong with my mom, and, uh, and then I came along, and, and then my sister not long after that, and... Uh, Basically, yeah, I mean, Hong Kong's a great city for, for people that, that, that don't know Hong Kong. It's a very international city. It's like, you know, the, it was or, or, or is the business hub of Asia. So a lot of uh, big corporations that, you know, big American companies, big foreign companies are all based out of Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, it's a unique city. Uh, you got the hustle and bustle of the city, but you've also got beautiful nature side, uh, hiking, mountains, beaches, you know, all that's like within you know, 10, 15 minutes away. So it's, it's, it's a pretty cool place to grow up. Uh, I was really active. I was always playing sports and uh, sports not being the biggest uh, priority in Hong Kong. So uh, I always still found a way to just be doing something every single day and just being out and about. And uh, that's why I played so many different sports as a kid. And I honestly think of that had a big part to play in my abilities to uh, progress as an athlete in, in various sports. And uh, yeah, I mean, if there's ever any an opportunity for one of you guys to come out and, and visit when this whole pandemic is eventually over, I would definitely recommend it and uh, spend some time and, you know, sightsee and just experience a different culture. Uh, that I feel everyone, if they ever could get an opportunity to experience, should and uh, would be awesome to get fans and, and, and people like that in, in, into Hong Kong to uh, to see what it's all about. Yeah, so very cool. So you mentioned you played, you know, I assume you played all the sports growing up. Um, when did you eventually transition into fighting or start training in fighting? 
Um, <clears throat> it's funny, like my parents put me in uh, karate at the age of five. Uh, I was a kid that had a lot of energy. And uh, at the time, there was classes three times a week. And those classes were like almost three hours long. So for someone at that age to have that kind of concentration, it was like, like literally zero. So when I first started, uh, I hated it. And, uh, you know, it was very, very, uh, let's just say, rated R back then, like they wouldn't really, you know, they wouldn't care to, to, to slap you or, or hit you or kick you if you weren't, you know, doing as they told. So uh, that for me at a young age was kind of rough and traumatic. But uh, after a couple of years of being forced to do it against my will, it was uh, it was something that I eventually, you know, grew and, and got confidence in as I got bigger and stronger. And um, and, and what was weird was uh, when I went to school, all my friends played team sports, but I was the only one who did martial arts. And I kind of had that fear of missing out of playing on the team sport. And uh, when I got to high school was kind of when I made the transition more on, into team sports. I was a big, big, big fan of rugby. I loved playing rugby. And that was a goal to, to play rugby professionally. And uh, uh, martial arts didn't come back into my life. It was weird. I would always train. Uh, in the off season because it was great for my conditioning and I just always enjoyed getting in, into like sparring sessions and fighting but um, it didn't really like that switch didn't click like oh I want to be a professional fighter until I was about about 19 20 um, that's when I was like okay I gotta if I really want to do this I have to really uh, put in the work on the ground because I already felt I was very fortunate with my ability standing up but uh uh, I had a big hole on the ground and, and I felt like if I was going to take this thing serious, I had to put in like, put all my eggs into that basket. And, uh, you know, I was about 19 years old and, uh, you know, I was fighting, I was training against current professional fighters at that time. And I really felt like, Hey, I think I can do this. And, uh, I fought, I made my amateur debut and that was, a you know, a, a quick telltale sign of, you know, I got a quick quick KO and I thought yeah yeah this is probably something that I should pursue you know you're hooked huh <laughs> yeah exactly so Sasha tell us a little bit about I mean you know so you get you get to this point where you made your amateur debut you decide you're going to go pro and you go on this journey right you fight in Florida you fight in South Korea Hong Kong China you know you're fighting literally all over the world talk a little bit about what that process was like for you in terms of this kind of early professional MMA journey? Um, it's a great question. Uh, I had a really, really tough time transitioning from the amateur ranks into the professional. Um, when I was competing as an amateur, I competed three times in upstate New York and I competed three times in Asia as an amateur. And uh, I was undefeated as an amateur. And, and, and at that time, when I was fighting, there wasn't really uh, they. I would guess you could say there were more underground events. They weren't really keeping a record, so I was kind of like a nobody, no name. I didn't have any uh, big titles or anything like that. I won a couple titles in, in kickboxing, but nothing like big. And uh, so I just said to myself, okay, the U.S. is where all the fighters are. Uh, I'm an American citizen, so I can be in the U.S. Uh, let's go there and try to start my professional career. And that's when uh, I made the move and started training with the Black Zillions. And, um, you know, I just showed up there literally like just jumped jumped off a plane and was like, hey, guys, like I want to kind of 
see if I've got what it takes to be competing with the best guys on the planet. So I just showed up there when it was the ultimate fighter. Uh, they were doing their episodes, like airing their episodes. And I was kind of tuning in and seeing like, Oh, who's there, who the better fighters were. And, uh, the black zillions to me at that time, just, just seemed to fit the mold I was looking for. And, uh, when I went out there, I was, I was doing everything in my power to network and talk to people and just see if I could get a fight. And, you know, I had a year and a, a year, uh, 16 months where, uh, I had uh, eight fights fall out from happening, from being my professional debut. And uh, there was two instances where I showed up to weigh-ins, made weight, and my opponent didn't show up to weigh-ins. I had guys pulling out a week before, 10 days before. And, uh, you know, I honestly thought it was a sign from a higher power, like maybe I'm not supposed to fight. Like, it was pretty weird to deal with it. And I thought everyone was game to fight. But it turned out, you know, more people were kind of Instagrammers or guys that are trying to show a certain, you know, way. But it wasn't like the true fighting way that I, I, I was kind of grew up on. And so I was really surprised and kind of shocked. But uh, I took a fight on short notice against the guy that was a, a heavyweight who didn't make weight. He came in uh, 22 pounds overweight at middleweight. Um, so somehow that fight got sanctioned. But I didn't care. I really just wanted to fight. Uh, it was a stupid mistake by myself uh, in, in hindsight. When I dropped him in the first round, he said it was a low blow. Uh, he got on top of me second round, and it was a really ugly fight. But the referee stopped it. I, I was still fighting. But it was just one of those really dodgy stoppages. And uh, uh, it was kind of just like the, the rough start to my pro career. And I was like, man, this is not – I just didn't have anyone looking out for me, you know. And uh, I felt like uh, all these opportunities that I, I guess missed, I missed out on. Uh, I think it was just unfortunately because I trained out of a very dangerous gym and I have a Russian last name and I feel like people just account and Khabib was making a name for himself. So they were like, Oh, we don't want to deal with a grappler. We don't want to deal with a Russian. We don't know. So because uh, dude, honestly, like if I had a different name, I think I would have had all those fights happen to be honest with you. So um, like if you were Sasha Palmer, this would have been no problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. So <laughs> it was just, it was one of those moments. And, uh, I was at, I was at a transition in my life where I didn't know where I wanted to go because I like my in my mind I was like I should have had eight fights by now you know but uh, but I had to go back to Hong Kong to renew my ID card so I went back and uh, I ran into somebody there who's uh, my best friend today Matthew Polino my striking coach and uh, he actually got me my first fight in Hong Kong which was no easy fight. I fought against a world combat Sambo world champion. He went to Russia. He's the first Korean to ever do it and just demolished everyone in the 82. Your last name didn't help at all fighting the Sambo guy. You know, the funny thing is when I went to Asia, nobody cared about my name. They they were all down to fight. It was crazy. You know, uh, the Koreans are all tough. The Japanese are tough. They they don't care. They're just there. They go and fight. And, uh, I, I was totally blown away because I thought maybe that's what I was going to get on, on the reverse going back to Asia. But uh, basically went out there and knocked that guy out uh, in the second round. And then his manager offered me the, the opportunity to fight in Korea. He's like, oh, would you like to compete in Korea? Because usually uh, guys that get fights in Hong Kong or at least Hong Kong-based guys, th- th- it's very hard for them to keep uh, a professional level of training. So these Koreans, they'll build them up and send them to Hong Kong to build records. And uh, I was just at the right place, right time, and they didn't know nothing about me. So they threw me in there. And when I dusted him in the second round, that was when a big opportunity to go to Korea. They're like, oh, man, like we like your style. We want you in Korea, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, man, just get me fights. I don't care. Just as long as I'm fighting, I'm happy. So uh, that's when the opportunity to go fight in Korea happened. I fought there. They were happy with me. And then not long after that, I had a title fight. 
uh, went up a weight class, uh, won that. And, um, and man, like you said, I, I've been traveling. I think I've fought eight times in my career now professionally, and I've fought in seven different cities um, internationally. So uh, that's been one of the blessings that I've always appreciated in this sport is being able to travel around the world and meet people from all different countries, cultures, and, and see the world. Uh, I've never been uh, uncomfortable uh, traveling. I'm always the B-side in my own mind. I'm always, you know, they always put me in as, as the guy that they hope they can get me out of there. So I've always played that role until I got management. And, uh, now like, like you guys said, you know, fighting in the UFC and putting on a performance like that. Uh, now people are like, Oh, this dude's the A-side. Like, let's put him as a favorite because now we kind of might, we actually know who this guy is. And, uh, and like I said, on two weeks notice, uh, that was just a small little, little taste of what i'm gonna bring and uh when people see what happens it's gonna be you'll see it'll be crazy <laughs> it's gonna be fun sasha i think you made a very interesting point there right about you know you fought in seven different cities not only that but you're a guy who, who i eastern and western worlds of mma because i think as you can probably attest fighting in korea and fighting in hong kong is very different than the you know United States regional promotions or even the UFC you know Absolutely. as someone who is an American citizen but born and raised in Hong Kong who's fought in you know Asia and in North America do you see that as a potential role for you or a way that you could stand out among the 700 fighters in the UFC roster as kind of this bridge between two worlds uh absolutely uh i think i have one of the if not most unique stories uh in 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 MMA uh, in the UFC and uh, I think it's only been a small scratch of the surface of uh, my story and, and and the kind of life that I've lived and the journey that I've had to get get here. But yeah, I mean the cool thing is the reactions that I saw from my fight uh, with people being so curious about my background and my nationality, and especially Hong Kong, and uh, being at a at a platform like the UFC and and even here being able to talk to you guys. Uh, it's about educating and just kind of, like you said, opening opening people's minds to that that hey look I'm I'm not your atypical Chinese person right but uh, you know I was born and raised there and I know nothing better that's home and uh, you know as much as I love New York I would spend summers in New York I'm a very international kid and uh, you know I'm I'm also. I, I, I'm, I'm very loyal to where I'm from, but at the same time, I'm not like this crazy patriot to one place. I'm a very international person and just having relationships with so many different cultures. You're like, okay, well, if I met, a, if I meet great people, uh, I'm only going to be feeling great. And if I meet terrible people, then I'm going to be feeling terrible. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of been a big thing that I've been kind of addressing through you know my opportunities to meet people in different cultures it's like you're going to meet great people everywhere you go it doesn't matter where you're from you know what i mean and that's kind of been the beauty of this sport uh being able to get around and meet so many different people and and just see their side of life and their side of the story and you guys help also promote that and uh this gives me that opportunity to do that as well and i think that's going to be fun and uh hopefully eye-opening for some people. <laughs> and to be clear on your background for our audience, you are a American citizen born and raised in Hong Kong, but you are of Scottish and Russian descent. Is that correct? Correct. You hit it on the nail. You hit the hammer on the head, nail right there, dude. <laughs> Damn, Billy, that's impressive. <laughs> Perfect. Bro, I, I couldn't have picked it. I was, just, I was just born that way, you know, and that's the beauty of it. 
you're gonna, yeah, Sasha. I'm telling you, you're gonna hit a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of demographics in that mix that love <laughs> MMA, my friend. So you're I gonna do so. quite well. I hope so. We got that. We got that warrior blood in, in the Russia and Scot Scotland, and then that martial arts upbringing in Asia. So, and then and then that that just that American entertainment value. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. comes it comes together. Parker, go ahead. All right, so let's jump into your UFC debut. Um, we had Orion's or um, Lewis's brother Orion on a couple weeks ago. These are two guys we saw on the Contender series that really left an impression on us just because of their fight style. And yep. for you to go in there, you know, honestly, I, I had never heard of you before. And for you to go in there and bang with that guy, I mean, I think, was it the first or second fight on the card? I'm calling all my friends and I'm like, dude, turn on the freaking TV. This shit is crazy. These guys are going <laughs> at it. Um, you know, I think he dropped you early and then you came yep. back strong, you know, and, and put yep. him away in the third. So, uh, what did you make of your UFC debut? Just the whole experience. I, you know, I heard you mention, you know, and I would feel the same, you know, being in there with Joe Rogan and DC and, you know, the whole UFC cast is there, you know, people you've grown up watching. How, how was that experience? And then just talk a little bit about your first fight and what you thought of it. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, everything that I imagined, which was beautiful because it made everything so easy. Uh, I had no stress, no nerves at all the whole week. Everything just felt very routine and uh, being in and out of hotels for all my fights. And actually, if I, I got to spend more time in my own apartment, which made it like a home home field advantage, which was which was amazing, you know, having your own comfort of your bed and what you're used to. So that was cool. And Everything was great. Just everyone that I, I met on the day-to-day -day basis in the UFC were all super nice, positive, such friendly people. And the vibes the whole week were great. Uh, and then just, you know, my opponent, you know, I, like I said, I, I heard a lot of interviews. He told me he was going to break my jaw. Uh, that kind of stuff just makes me even more motivated. And uh, uh, I'm a super underdog. And, you know, usually I'm always like, I'm usually the opposite. So uh, to be an underdog, I was like, oh, okay, it's a little bit different. But uh, but I liked it. And um, yeah, just everything was perfect. I felt so good. I felt in my element. If there's one people in fight, it's weird. I feel more uncomfortable around just average people around me in like the DMV than I do in a cage fight. And it's weird. Um, but it's uh it's it's just something that I feel really comfortable doing. And uh, the whole environment just... You know, the cameras being there, the, those figures, those people, you know, you see them and you're just like, oh, cool. But then you're just like, all right, we're back on task. we got to do what we got to do. Um, you know, and I knew I had a tough fight. I mean, there was no guarantee. This is two weeks notice against the guy that finished everyone in the first round, no matter who he fought. It's still an impressive feat. And, uh, you know, I, they had a lot of hype going and I was the B side again, you know, so um i just had to knew i knew i had to come in there and i knew a lot of people were going to be watching so if there was any fight that uh i needed to be you know ready to fire for it was this one and uh you know i went in there and i made one mistake which i think changed the outcome of the fight and i think it was a positive even though it ended up getting me a couple stitches and uh a couple guys but uh you know he he had a bunch uh, off of that, that. He caught my kick and I rolled out. I shouldn't have rolled. I should have uh, gone to the clinch. But I rolled out, tried to be fancy for all the fans, and uh, got me in a little bit of trouble. And, 
you know, he landed a couple shots, but those shots in the back of the head, they didn't necessarily hurt me. They just kind of got me out of, I, I was out of balance. I was, uh, I couldn't really recover my balance for that amount of time. And then when he did land that combination that did drop me, it was just a matter of he, he hit me and I just didn't have my balance. And, uh, but I just remember thinking I'm not hurt. I just have to get back to my feet. I just remember thinking, damn, I'm losing. That's all I remember thinking at that moment. And I was like, I just need to recover, get my space. Cause I already read him uh, that first opening, I would say 30 seconds. And my range was already starting to meet with the jab. And once I start finding range with my jab, everything kind of starts to come off of that. And, uh, and I already knew like he was such a muscular built guy that especially like, you know, he's, this is the biggest fight of his career. So he was going to come out and probably blow a tank. And that's exactly what, what he did the way he fought. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone that's been in this game for such a long time. So my MMA knowledge, at least what I believe is, is pretty good and proficient. Um, so everything that we kind of get like guaranteed to see in that fight happened uh, from Lewis. And don't get me wrong, he's tough, tough as nails and, and he was super game and he landed some good shots at me. For me, I thought I was going to get him out in the first round. But because of my error, it came on a little bit later and I was hoping I could get the finish earlier. But, hey, it worked out perfectly. Uh, so many people gave me such good feedback from the fight. The fans loved it. I gained a lot of appreciation from it. And they're just like, dude, you're a tough motherfucker. And, like, you could just go and go. And I was like, I was like, dude, like, that, and that's the problem. Like, I don't want to be known as a tough motherfucker. Like, that's just, <laughs> that's just built. Like, that's there. But, like, everything else that I was trying to show stylistically and, and just my technique, like, I'm a very big footwork guy, movement guy. So, uh, on two weeks' notice, I like working at maybe like 60 percent of my, my my real potential but when i'm firing like oh I'm, I'm a real force to reckon with and i feel like someone of lewis's level i i should have been able to get out in the first round when i'm firing on all cylinders but respect to him again i threw the kitchen sink at him and he lasted as long as he did and you know like i said he said he was going to break my jaw i ended up putting him on the surgical table um and uh, i broke his will so you know that that's just it's it's just like i said usually i say what i'm gonna do and and and, that, and that's always been like that from day one yeah and I, I can't imagine a better start to a ufc career to come in have a fight like that on such a big stage get the fight of the night bonus that was awesome so I, I thought the same thing i was watching that fight i'm calling billy i'm like who the fuck is this guy we got to get this dude on the show i love his fight style but all right, Billy, jump in the next oh, one. I'm sending Parker that. YouTube videos of like Asian uh, regional yeah. MMA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, so let's talk a little bit. You know, I know you said you're a big technical guy. Let's talk a little bit about your camp. Let's talk about Syndicate MMA. You're working with one of the best MMA coaches in the world, in my opinion, John Wood. How important is that camp, his coaching? your other coaches that you work with, your sparring partners, training partners, what does that do for you, you know, that's maybe unique to that gym? Um, I mean, the cool, the cool thing, I mean, I've been at some of the biggest gyms in the world uh, throughout my career and uh, coming to syndicate, I was actually uh, invited out here by my, my coach, uh, Neil Melanson, who's based out here in Las Vegas, who I have, uh, I hold in very high regard uh, and, you know, former black civilians grappling coach. So he was the one who put me in touch with John and, and passed me on to syndicate and said, look, you got somebody here that we think we, we could do something with. And, uh, and John took me under his wing from day one and out of all the gyms that I've ever been, uh, I've never felt, 
I guess you can say attention, uh, just help, because I came here with an injury. I had a torn meniscus and, and, a, and a torn groin that I, I fought Munir Luzes with, which I needed surgery for. So when I came out here, John just basically helped me to get everything that I needed situated to make sure that I could get my surgery and recovery on point. And basically when he did that for me, I was already like, you know, I really had a lot in my heart for that because people don't always, you know, they tell you one thing and they, then you end up doing everything on your own. So he really went out of his way to help me and uh, I needed to repay that favor. And, and being in this gym, you know, you've got guys from all different parts of the world. You've got different levels. You've got different weight classes. You've got different looks. And there's nothing better than that. Like when I get ready for fights, you know, if there's a tall opponent, long opponent, softball, orthodox, we have that you know, we have that in the gym and, and we have that ability to, like you said, work with the best coaches and game plan and discuss and watch film. And I mean, this is something I love to do, not only as a professional, but as a fan, I'm a huge fan of the sport, always have been. So I think it works really well for me because I legit know every single fighter in the freaking division and I know every single fighter on the roster. So uh, for me, it's just a matter of dialing up what i know can win fights i'm a i'm a strategist i like to play chess i like to play strategy games i'm one of those weirdos so if we're in there physically uh i'm obviously going to be playing strategy and you're going to most likely fall into something that you don't know what i'm doing and it's not going to work out well for you and uh if you can play that game with me then we're going to have a freaking sick fight you know and uh, if you can't, then you're probably going to be sleeping. So it's just one of those. And I've seen it for years since I, you know, even fighting amateur. I said, man, the level of striking in MMA is so low. Uh, people just go out there and they're tough and they throw combinations and they hope and they wish. But uh, when you're playing games with people and it's all just on the end of your stick, it's it's just a whole nother level. And uh, you see it. You guys are starting to see it more and more now with, with the elite striking that's coming through. Obviously, someone like Israel is one of those guys. He's just on a completely different level. Uh, Brad Riddell is another one. Uh, Raphael Fiziev. There's a couple guys like that that you see just the level of striking is just just at another level. You see it with... Uh, Giga. With, that's Giga. a guy that we talk about a lot on here. Giga, um, first of all, Sasha, you're kind of taking my lane here with you know strategy and knowing every fighter in the division. <laughs> like... You know, I, I, I like this co-hosting gig and you can fight, too. So I could be in trouble here if you keep at this. So I'd like you to stick to the fighting and stay in oh, the gym yeah. and maybe forget, you know, what some of the guys on the early prelims, if you could do me a favor. I mean, nowadays, though, with COVID, I mean, I'm sure like you guys, when you like came up, you're like, who the hell is this guy? I get a, I do get a couple of those here and there. But not long after I've done my research and I already know who he's fought, where he's fought. And uh, I get a good idea. There's sometimes I. You know, I know you guys are playing your parlay, so we got to watch our film. we got to take a look at what, what we got in front of us if we've got the time. And uh, it's something that I regularly do. And it's not just be- – I, I like to keep up with the sport. If I see someone doing something that's different, I want to watch it. I watched Conor McGregor before anyone knew who Conor McGregor was. So these, these are things that I look out for. If there's someone doing something that I don't know about or something that I can learn, hey, I'm a sponge. I'm going to pick things up that work. And uh, – Hey, I, like I said, I love this game. So I love, I love hey, what I do. I, I think I need a podcast with, uh, with Sasha Parker. I think you might be the one. He's a little more upbeat. Yeah. Watching, I'm be he'd be sitting there with me watching the Ryzen pay-per-view at 5 a.m. on New Year's Eve. You know it. You know it. I mean, bro, you're wearing the Rangers, the Yankee hat. You know, you're already picking the right attire for me, dude. So we, 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 we could have something in the future. Let's go. Um, Sasha, what, what for you is next? What's next for you immediately? And then what are your goals for 2021? 
Um, so immediate goals, uh, basically I'm leaving in nine days. I'm making my way to France to see my fiance, who I haven't seen in six months. Uh, and we're going to spend Christmas and New Year's together. And then I'm going to be back here on the 4th of January, straight into camp. And we're looking probably end of February, maybe mid-February, early March, and just waiting for that name. Uh, we gave Welterweight, like, we, we're going to stick at 170. Oh, yeah. I'm undefeated at welterweight. I've never lost a welterweight. On my record, it says I lost to Munir Lezez at uh, 170, but that was a catch weight. I've never lost at 170, and I, I intend to keep it that way. That's my division. Uh, and that, that weight feels totally good for you. The weight cut's okay. not, not hard. You know, you feel you can eat and everything, and you feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been that way. Uh, I've always had to go up in weight just so I could get fights, but, uh, uh, 170 when it's, when it's been given to me is it's the easiest weight cut. I'm, I feel amazing. It's, it's where I'm supposed to be. All right. I got one um, for you. Um, so what it, let me ask him this real quick. Um, what is, what's the biggest and most important thing that martial arts has brought to your life? Uh, composure. Uh, being composed in all types of situations uh, and being able to control my emotions, I guess. Because as a kid, uh, it was difficult to, uh, you know, you would get mad and then you would just see red and go crazy. Uh, that was kind of like five years old till about seven, eight. And then I understood how to kind of control that and channel it. And then it would save me in a lot of bad situations, uh, you know, getting in fights in school or getting in other situations. I'll be able to just kind of like, think for a second and then uh you know be able to judge myself do something a little bit smarter but yeah i would say composure and and discipline uh just being disciplined uh that's probably one thing that has been my attribute my whole life is uh being able to make sacrifices uh uh doing things maybe i didn't necessarily want to do but i did it anyway because i thought it was going to help me down the road uh so i would say that was probably the, the main two okay cool Billy, go ahead I was going to say, to, to close us out here, Sasha, this episode will probably come out around Christmas time. So I want to get a few Christmas questions in for you. What's okay. your What's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Uh, I would say Home Alone. Great one. Great. Uh, favorite Christmas song? Oh, that'd be Mariah Carey because I can't stop hearing her everywhere I goddamn go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that one rings. That plays on repeat in my house too. Um, and then, what is the best Christmas gift you've ever given, and what's the best one you've ever received? Ooh, dang! First, uh, the one I the best Christmas gift I've just given. I mean, I just I just gave my girl an iPhone 12, so that's pretty good. There you go. go. And the, yeah, and the sister got a Dyson vacuum for her new apartment, so you know, balling out there. <laughs> We're spending Sweet. the UFC bonus money already. I can see. Yeah. We got to get out there and knock out a few more of these guys in the cage. I guess if we're spending, we're getting iPhone 12s and Dyson vacuums. <laughs> it's by, it's a bonus collecting season every fight, dude. Like that's a go, that's a given. If I'm not getting bonuses, I'm not happy. So we got to get them every fight. Oh um, yeah. And I would say the best one, best Christmas present that I've ever received. You know what? If we're going throwback, when I think when I got a PlayStation, like the original PlayStation, that was probably the best Christmas I ever. Hell yeah! You know, what are we Grand Theft Auto yeah. or what are we doing? I would say that again. What are we Grand Theft Auto one or what are we doing back then? Crash oh, Bandicoot. Crash, can, yeah, Crash, Crash Bandicoot, Gran Turismo. Oh, I think Gran I was like FIFA. 
NBA. I mean, Hell every. Yeah. I, I remember back then I was all fake games, so I had about a hundred games. You know. So yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Metal Metal Gear Solid. Um, Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal, great game. Oh, classic, man. That, that's giving me nostalgia. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right, Sasha. Classic. Any any shout outs? Anything you want to say? Like before we get out of here. Um. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on social media, Sasha Planikoff MMA. Not many people have this name, so you'll probably find me easy. Planikoff <laughs> MMA on Twitter. That's kind of like a new account for me. Uh, it only kind of got followers since I fought, so now I'm trying to be more active on it. Uh, I'm embracing it. I, I kind of like the Twitter world now. And, uh, and yeah, just uh, actually, I'm going to be – oh, no, but this is coming out on Christmas, so – it would have already happened, so never mind. Um, but yeah, I'm doing an auction for some of uh, some items from my weekend with the UFC. Some posters, some fight shorts, some items. So I'm gonna be. We'll put that on the social. I appreciate that. Um, we're gonna be uh, auctioning off some of that stuff, and then any money that comes in for that will go uh, to a charity here in, in Las Vegas to help uh, with Christmas uh, for, for, for homeless and uh, people get, getting some food over Christmas. So uh, any any help that I can give there, I will, and uh, try to get that done before I head off to France. And uh, so, yeah, if you guys want some pretty sick gear, uh, just hit me up on uh, Instagram and, and, and just make some offers, and we'll see uh, see what we get done after a week. Hell, yeah. Well, we appreciate the time tonight, man. Um, we look forward to your next fight. Um Big fans already, and we wish you the best of luck and happy holidays over in France. And we'll look appreciate forward to getting back on again. For sure, guys. Thanks a lot, Sasha. I appreciate the time. It was a pleasure, man. It was nice meeting you guys. I appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, the sport wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for you guys as well. So appreciate you, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking soon. Hope your families are well. Have good holidays, and uh, see you guys in the new year. I didn't tell you my uh, plans for 2021, but that's just to smoke everybody in the welterweight division. So let's go. Uh, that's let's the go. 2021 New Year resolution. Can uh, we get a name? Can you give us a name? Like, can we get the real, the real clickbaity? Like, Sasha Platnikov wants to fight who? I mean, dude, I'll fight anyone. I, I, I really don't mind who it is. Uh, you know, we were talking. I mean, Alex Morono brought my name up in an interview. I mean, I know he's fighting Pettis, but, like, a lot of the welterweights have fights lined up right now. Mickey Gall didn't have one. He stood out to me. Diego Sanchez stood out to me. Um, but uh, these are just uh, names that the UFC has to kind of bounce back off of me and let me know who's available and what we can get done. Um, but I'm game for anybody. There's nobody that I don't not want to fight. So Nick Diaz, uh, let's go. Bring him out uh, of retirement. Let's get crazy. Hey, let me get a couple. You make nice me happy. Wins. Make you happy. Let's go. Let's get a nice couple knockouts to start the yeah. year and then, uh, you know, welcome him back. I would be happy to yeah. that. You know, bro, back in uh, – Funny story, back in 2015, 2014, I used to have a lot of weird dreams about fighting him. Uh, <laughs> that's so, so awesome. Hey, I, I don't too. know if that's <laughs> going to come to fruition, dude, but uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird that he's making a comeback and I'm where I am right now. So, hey, if we cross paths, it'd be amazing. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of his, but at the same time, I know I can smoke him. So, um, you know, let's see what happens. 2021, hopefully it's just as crazy as this year and uh, we'll go from there. I hope it's slightly less crazy. I'm good. You know, I maybe in your line of work, it's a little different. I'm good with it being a little less crazy. I hope, but I hope Sasha, we get to see you, you know, four or five times this year. 
like you said, smoking everybody, getting out there, getting big fights. You know, very excited to see you on your on your rise here. Glad you're finally, you know, making waves here in the UFC after this long journey. And, you know, next fight you have, we have to come right back on and give us some more stories. We have some more laughs. Parker and I will ask more dumb questions and everyone <laughs> have a good time. For sure. Sounds dope, man. It was, uh, it was a good time talking to you guys. Appreciate you. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Peace. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit Parker Keen's MMA show.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes. <laughs>